It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to quantum number 151. Uh, quantum, as you know, is about news and culture and views. And we do seek to bring you honest and good information and analysis, whether it's provocative and stimulating or whatever. But there's a, a, a new show in town. Have a listen to this. It's 8 p.m. on Sunday, June the 13th, 2021. Welcome to the launch of GB News, Britain's news channel dedicated to covering the news that matters to you and to giving a voice to those who felt sidelined or even silenced in our great national debates. Because if it matters to you, it matters to us. GB News will not slavishly follow the existing news... That's Andrew Neil, uh, the chief presenter of the new GB News, the new... Uh, radio and TV station bringing news, as it says, for Great Britain. Now, I really, really look forward to this. I like the the values that they have espoused, but not everyone does. And it's been so interesting to watch. Now, let me say that this now is the time to do news differently. There are one or two aspects of it at the moment that I'm not too keen on. I mean, I have subscribed to it. Uh, I don't like the dark studios. I... Uh, uh, I don't like all the presenters, but some of them I absolutely love. And so far, the interviews, Andrew Neil himself is absolutely outstanding. And I love the fact that it's not following the woke BBC or even Sky News. But that, of course, means that the woke go berserk and the attempts to strangle them are really qu quite sad. The group Stop Funding Hate, which is a group that is all about hate and hating anyone who doesn't fit their agenda, has been urging its followers to put pressure on the channel's advertisers to withdraw. And they've had some success because, of course, as we've noticed on this podcast many, many times, companies and corporations want to be seen as woke. So, so far, Copperberg, Ikea, Grolsch and the Open University have pulled ads with GB News. Uh, Grosch's statement said they were a brand that prides itself on core values of inclusion and openness to all people. Now, are they saying that GB News isn't? Or are they saying that their openness and inclusion doesn't include people who want to watch GB News? Copperberg declared itself a drink for everyone, except, obviously, GB News viewers, who are quite a lot. I understand that they've been out polling, if you like, or out viewing both the BBC and Sky News in, in some areas and at some times. Well, that's what we said. Last week I mentioned that the Sydney Morning Herald, uh, in its advert, announced itself as open-minded, nuanced and in-depth. Well, just to give you an example of how that works out. The Sydney Morning Herald carried an article about Australian Anglicans, which was highly accusatory. So I wrote to them and said, do you want a different perspective? I've done that twice. No, they're not examining it from every angle. They do have an agenda. They don't do nuance. They don't do depth. So I hope GB News works out. I don't know if it will. But so far, it's been a good start. And one can only imagine it gets better. 
And you know what? Don't take my opinion. And don't take Ikea's opinion or the woke Twitter warriors. Go have a look for yourself. And, by the way, have a look at different aspects. And don't expect perfection. All right, let's come on to some world news. Let's see if uh, you can make out any of this. Big strong boys for farm work, he says. 400. 700. 800. The numbers roll in. These men are sold for 1,200 Libyan pounds, $400 a piece. You are watching an auction of human beings. Slavery is back. CNN um, have done a good job here uh, in identifying the slave markets. There's at least four slave markets, slave auctions in Libya. You will have to excuse my voice, by the way, because I'm still uh, recovering from a cold. And guess what? Yes, of course. Um, I, I mean, I, it's more than a cold for me. But <laughs> yeah, I've gone and had another COVID test, which I've passed, or at least I failed. In other words, I don't have COVID. All right. Um, let's go from the slave markets in Libya. Let's go to Korea. What is K-pop? It's bright lights, vibrant colors, crazy concepts. It's about the fans. Fans are everything. K-pop is huge. I've been watching a little bit, learning a little bit about K-pop, and I was in Sydney City Centre and at what they call the QVB building, and there were five Korean girls who were obviously doing their TikTok video type thing with a professional cameraman. Again, trying to get in on this act, and it seems as though in Korea there are people who think you can create stars. And it's become a huge industry. If you look at on YouTube for K-pop, you will see that some of the boy bands or the girl bands, they're getting billions, not millions, but billions of views and making lots of money. Now, this is in the news this week because Kim Jong-un has announced he's not very keen on K-pop. Uh, apparently quite a lot of North Koreans are listening to it from over the border and so he's basically said if you listen to K-pop, anyone who performs K-pop and so on, it's uh, worth the death penalty. Now I'm not a big fan of K-pop, I think the death penalty is probably slightly extreme. And that makes me think about the Korean church, which again, I love the Korean church, but I think there are now major issues in the Korean church. Uh, they're not sure how to deal with what's going on in the wider culture, and particularly those, and there are a great many who are from a reform perspective. We really need to look at this, and we really need to think about it. So pray for the church in Korea. Otherwise, Korea is gonna be more famous for this than anything else. Commit. 
All right, enough K-pop. Um, I promise you I'll make it up to you by, well, you may be a fan of K-pop, so you'll love, love that, but I'll make it up to you by the end. I've got a very special piece of music at the end. Other world news, just got time to mention Israel. Amazingly, Benjamin Netanyahu has gone. And sadly, that has not prevented things seeming to kick off in Gaza again. And then there's been an Australian and British trade deal. So it's in one sense, it's not a big deal. In another, it is. Now, here's the significance of it. Well, if you're British, you can now come to work in Australia for three years, not one year, um, as, as a guest. And I think it, can, it goes the opposite way as well. Uh, and by the way, um, on a personal note, please do pray for us because I'm here waiting for my visa to be renewed and within a couple of weeks, I will be illegal. I will be a refugee. But I think the other major significance from the British point of view is that it's likely to open up Britain to the Asia-Pacific partnership, which is going to be the biggest market in the world. Okay, I wonder if you recognize this very famous piece of music. It's a piece of music from a film that's probably more famous than the film itself. The film is, uh, of course, Deliverance. Uh, the piece of music is now known as Dueling Banjos, and lots of there are lots and lots of versions of it. I, I like Glenn Campbell's, actually. But uh, I play that because Ned Beatty, who uh, starred in that film, also Toy Story 3 as the stuffed bear Lotso, also All the President's Men, Superman, and many other films, he's died aged 83. I actually know very, very little about him, except he said, I'm the guy whose face you recognize, but whose name you don't know. And I do have to say that for me, that's most people. I recognize many people's faces, but I'm just rubbish with names, which is pretty useless as a minister. And then this extraordinary man died. This is from uh, the BBC, and it's their last word podcast. His name is Yuan Longping. Listen to this. He was one of the most important plant scientists of the 20th century. There were two real leaders of the Green Revolution, Norman Borlaug, an American who figured out how to combine different strains of wheat to create hybrids that produced much higher yields so that the world has more bread to eat. And uh, Yuan Longping, who figured out how to hybridize rice so that the world had more rice to eat. And some would even argue that Yuan was more important because rice feeds half the world and wheat feeds a third of the world. 
Many years later, Yuan Longping reflected on his achievement. In the 1960s, I found a hybrid rice for the first time, he says. At that time, the yield of rice was 200 kilograms per hectare. The yield of hybrid rice was 500 kilograms, more than twice the yield. I was so ecstatic. It was already clear that it was such a success that by 1980, he, to his lasting credit, shared some of these new varieties of rice with the International Rice Research Institute in the Philippines, and that made a difference in feeding the world. Isn't that extraordinary? Just extraordinary. I mean, I knew about the wheat and Norman and, and what went on with that. But this gentleman invented or used and created a form of hybrid rice which allowed triple, quadruple yields. And he did so after himself witnessing the Great Famine, Mao's Great Famine in, in China. You know, Chairman Mao was a, an awful and wicked and evil man. When he was told that up to 300 million people could die, his response was, is that all? Yuan Longping, when he saw people dying, determined to do his best to do something about it, and he did. Now, speaking of hunger, do any of you recognize this? In the light of the moon, a little egg lay on a leaf. One Sunday morning, the warm sun came up, and pop, out of the egg came a tiny and very hungry caterpillar. I'm sure some of you must, because it is the very hungry caterpillar. Another man who died, Eric Carle. Um, do you know the very hungry caterpillar? It's just amazing, isn't it? It's was published in 1969, and it sold over 55 million copies. In, in what I've read about Eric Carle, it appears as though his life was a little bit behind some of, of the children's stories that he did. And he's been an inspiration to many, many people. Although he was born in the US in 1929, in 1935, his mother wanted to go back to her home country. Guess where? Germany. They went back to Stuttgart before the Second World War. Extraordinary. But the very hungry caterpillar, wouldn't it be nice? I'd love. Wouldn't it be nice if you could write a book that sold 55 million copies? A graze or minor injury There's tea There's tea You took an arrow to the knee Have tea Oh tea Even winners of the Monaco Grand Prix Drink tea Heard it's drunk by the bourgeoisie Probably likely changed the course of history Lovely cup of tea that's the tea song, and, and tea does you a huge amount of good. I love tea. I love Chinese tea. I love jasmine tea. Um, I find right now that, along with whiskey, uh, green tea is is really helping in terms of my throat. Um, I, I like different herbal teas, and possibly even some of the benefits. But uh, someone sent me this article, and, and thank you for sending it to me. I thought it was brilliant. Um, if you believe this, well, uh, well done. Peppermint, peppermint tea. It invites clear pathways and the removal of barriers to increase communication, truth, awareness, and acceptance of wisdom. There you go. 
I need to drink some peppermint before this. Rose petals, on the other hand, invite love, forgiveness, compassion, faith and clarity. And this is all from the Organic Merchant's Chakra Tea, a unique blend based on the ancient wisdom of the spiritual energy centers within the human body, the chakras. <laughs> if you drink this tea, it allows you to keep your chakras flowing and you're healthy, happy and vibrant. Um, wow. Drinking tea with rose petals can help to soothe a stressed, overthinking mind and can leave you feeling more uplifted and comforted. I wonder if there's a placebo effect in that. Anyway, go enjoy a good cup of tea. Uh, I think my mother doesn't listen to this, so I can say this. I think as my mother would say, oh, none of that foreign muck. Just good old British tea, i.e. from India. Tetley's. Or Yorkshire, even. Or Scottish blend. All right, something else, not from the weird world, from but from the woke world. Wow, listen to this. It's very easy to feel like the presence of queerness and the sort of power of queerness has grown in the last decade or so. And I absolutely do think it's true that, you know, acceptance and quote-unquote tolerance has definitely grown in that time. Um, but I also think it's very easy for venues, brands, companies, literally everyone to slap a rainbow sticker on something and imagine that that's what queering a space really means. Public spaces are not neutral. Public spaces are dominated by certain dominant groups within society. They are shaped by the male gaze and they are designed for use by particular groups. Particularly hetero-patriarchy. It's also embodied by architecture, by sculptures, and a lot of sculptures that you can find in public space are representing this white heteronormativity. Querying public space is making a space that feels like it's equitable and safe to be in. And the queerness, I suppose, comes within elevating marginalised voices and listening to voices that aren't the majority in the population and creating a public space that makes them feel comfortable to be in as well. That's a project with Dr. Armar Azus called the Association for Project Management. And like all these public bodies and corporations, they've just gone so woke and they've got this title, Queering Public Space. And he talks about how uh, they need to make public spaces LGBTQ2 plus uh, friendly. And how do we protect what remains of queer memory in our cities? And what are the key characteristics that contribute to queering public space? And how do we move beyond the gay gayborhood towards creating public spaces for all? Well, I got nothing more to say about that. But I do have something to say about Maya Forstatter because she did win her appeal, which was wonderful. Maya Forstatter, if you may remember, was the woman who lost her job after tweeting that male people are not women. 
and she won her employment case. Well, congratulations to her. Not so much congratulations in terms of our next piece, at least if you're Scottish. This is painful, but listen to it. Now it's Schick from range! Oh, it is a thrilling goal! It is one of the great Euro goals! It's Patrick Schick, unbelievably, to make it 2-0 to the Czech Republic! A moment that he will never forget! The whole nation, my grandkids were there, their first Scotland game. They weren't at the actual game, they're just a couple of toddlers, but watching with their dad in their Scotland strips and everything. Scotland playing the Czech Republic. Well, we lost. We lost 2-0. And that was a guy called Patrick Sheik scoring a goal from pretty well the halfway line, uh, lobbing the goalkeeper. A couple of things in here. The Scottish team were pressured into taking the knee, as they say, and we've said plenty about that already. Nicola Sturgeon, of course, felt free to intervene. Um, and then, of course, Scotland play England. Probably by the time some of you have listened to this, they'll have been beaten by them. If that's not the case, you'll be hearing more about it next week. If it is the case, you won't be hearing a thing from me. Uh, England are looking far too good. And then I want to play a, a national anthem from the European Championships. Yep, that's the Finns. Um, and I pray that because they, they did a very good sporting gesture. There was a Danish player who collapsed and it was, you know, his life was in danger. He was taken off the field. The game continued. He's, he's recovered. But um, when Finland scored after that, they didn't celebrate. I just thought, well, good for you. <laughs> really good for you. Uh, by the way, the, the anthem talks about your glorious hope and joy. And the glorious hope and joy is the joy of the land. Nah, hope and joy don't come that way. Ultimately, hope and joy come from God. And you Finnish Lutherans should know that. All right, let's just uh, mention some church things. We've recorded several times, reported several times on the ongoing case between Destiny Church in Edinburgh and the Edinburgh City Council, who had banned their three-day conference due to be held in the summer of 2020 because they had a preacher, Larry Stocksill, who um, held the traditional Christian view on marriage. The council have now admitted that they failed to meet their equalities duty, that they were discriminating uh, against the church. They've lost their case. The church has won their case. That's great news. Not such great news as the Bishop of Manchester, who said that faith leaders should, not could, but should face prosecution if they fail to comply with the government's promise ban on so-called gay conversion practice, including praying for people who've asked for prayer. Well, as I say, with friends like that, who needs enemies? That's Bishop David Walker. 
And then let's just stick with the uh, Anglican Church. We had a lot of Anglican stuff this week, but this is in the Scottish Anglican Church. And I want to go to some of your letters. And this is from an Anglican minister in, in Scotland. I am the minister of a Scottish Episcopal congregation in which we have a small faction of progressive and liberal members demanding significant change. They dislike my scripture-based and focused preaching. They argue that I should be speaking of joy, love and harmony and promoting racial equality, environmentalism, sexual and gender, gender identities. Are These are the issues that matter most to people today. To get rid of the Old Testament readings and so on and so on and so on. And this lovely minister says, In my heart I sense we are now in the end times and that one day soon we pray our Saviour shall return and the perfect kingdom will be ushered in. Maybe one other letter I want to deal with before we go, and that is somebody who wrote about the piece about billionaires evading tax and asking me to point out, which is fair enough, that some of them are the world's biggest philanthropists. And I agree with that. Um, but I would also want to say this, that they these are the men who run companies who, as we've been seeing, want everyone else to pay taxes for good projects, that is the ones they approve of, they lobby to that effect. They even are prepared to boycott those they disagree with and use their power and money for that reason. But they then give, yeah, they do give to charities they approve of, but then they claim that back against tax. So whether it's them giving, it's, it's highly questionable. I don't think they're giving at any personal cost. They look up ending as though they have given a lot, but in reality it costs them nothing. They don't pay tax, and yet they come across as generous. They let everyone know about this, their philanthropy, but they did their best to silence those who knew about their tax avoidance. Yeah. I mean, if you want, it's another piece of news. You can sign up to go with the Besos brothers, Amazon owners, um, and head away into space. I think it's going to cost you three and a half million. Well, maybe you could write that off against tax. Okay. Um, I am going to love you and leave you there. Please do continue to send in news. Uh, we do thank the Lord that he's at work in the midst of all this chaos. And um, I want to leave you with this glorious piece of music from Russia. President Biden and Putin have been meeting. And do you know, both America and Russia need to return to their Christian roots. And this is a Russian Orthodox choir chanting in a Russian Orthodox church. Um, it's extraordinarily beautiful. This is rec recorded live. Uh, everyone hears this hymn after they've had this reading about the light of Christ illumining all. And everyone kneels. And then the words mean this. Let my prayer arise in thy sight as incense. And let the lifting up of my hands be an evening sacrifice. Lord, I've called to thee, hear me. Attend to the voice of my prayer when I call to thee. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door around my lips. Incline not my heart to words of evil, to invent excuses for sins. Let my prayer arise in thy sight as incense, and let the lifting up of my hands be an evening sacrifice. That's it. Prayer. The Psalms. Russian, American, Korean, Australian, Scottish, English, French, German, African, South American. That's it. Okay, folks, we shall see you next week. Uh, if you want to support Quantum, please do so at the Podbean fundraiser. Got any news? Send it in to me. Any comments? Please send it in to me as well. 
God bless you. See you next week.